0: I hope over these weeks past and even the next few weeks that we have left in this series that you will be picking up a grace card and trying hard to show grace to those people who are around you. We have said it many times through this series, we don't want to be ones who are just recipients of God's grace. We want to be ones who are extending grace. To others, Recently, I was blessed as I tried to show grace to my neighbor. I had picked up a card and it said that I needed to make a dessert and take it to my neighbor. And I thought, oh no. <laughs> I don't know that that would be such an act of grace for them uh, to have to eat my dessert. Because I'm not one who is uh, very... Talented in in the kitchen at all And so I I did though want to Show grace to my neighbor in in this way And I uh, called Lita Walker And ordered a chocolate meringue pie from her To take to my neighbor And in fact I ordered two chocolate meringue pies (laughs) (laughs) Because that happens to be my wife's favorite kind of pie And I thought you know I want to show some grace to her, too. Uh, You know, to take a chocolate meringue pie to my neighbor and not have one for my wife didn't sound like the good thing to do. So I got one for her, too. And she liked that. And she shared some with me. And I thought, that's kind of how grace is. You share grace with someone else, and so often that grace comes back to you. But the response of my neighbor was really... The blessing that I, I I cherish as I think about it. I took that chocolate pie over to my neighbor's house and their teenage daughter answered the door. And there I stood with this chocolate meringue pie in my hands, and she's looking at me, wondering what's up. And I just said to her, Do you like chocolate meringue pie? And she just stepped back and and her eyes got as big as half dollars and she said, It's my favorite. And that made it worth every penny that I spent on that pie. It's fun to show grace to people. And I hope that you have been getting in on some of that fun. He has lavished His grace upon us. And we in turn need to be showing grace to one another. Today, I want to share simply about grace by looking at three different individuals, men, whose lives we see in Scripture. I want us to take a look at them. I want, first of all, to describe these men to you as we see them in Scripture. Their lives are completely different from one another. The first one that I want us to look at is Stephen. His story is found in Acts chapter 6. And chapter 7. Stephen, if you are familiar with him, you know that he was a very good man who seemed to have it all together from start to finish. The context in which he is introduced to us is a problem in the church developed by, experienced by some of the women in that church. I know you can hardly believe that, that there would be a problem... Amongst some of the women, but that's what was going on. There was food distribution that was taking place amongst the poor. The Greek women were not getting a fair shake. In other words, in fact, they were getting a shaft. The poor Jewish women were being given food. Their needs were being taken care of. But the Greek women who were poor, their needs were not being taken care of. There was a significant difference between how these two groups of women were being treated. There was some prejudice going on. There was was a, a, a for sure bias that was taking place. And because of that, I'm sure there were several somebodies that lodged their complaint to the apostles about this. They were simply saying like this, This isn't fair. They're getting good treatment and we're not. And so the apostles take a look at what's going on and they come up with a solution. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 6 beginning with verse 2. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And you read on further in this chapter, you see that Stephen was one of those men of the seven that were chosen to correct this problem. And we see in this text, Stephen was a man of good reputation. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of wisdom. You read on in this chapter, you see that he was also a man full of faith. That's verse 5. Verse 8 says that he was full of grace and power. And he's doing many miracles and wonders amongst the people. You read on in this chapter and into chapter 7 and you see that Stephen had quite the ability to stand up and defend the faith. He was bold. He was not willing to back down even when he was in the minority. And, And in verse 10 of this chapter, it says that the opposition that had arisen against him, they could not cope with his wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Stephen was quite a guy from the very outset that, of when we meet him until the time that he becomes a martyr for Jesus in chapter 7. You do know he was the first Christian martyr and he is quite a hero for all of us. Now I want you to take Stephen in your mind and I want you to put him on a shelf for just a moment. We'll come back to him in a little bit, but I want to introduce to you the second fellow. His name is Saul. Later, we will know him as the Apostle Paul. His story is different than Stephen's, and yet there are some similarities. They both ended very well. Saul, though, didn't start off so well. Saul was a murderer of Christians. In fact... You read the scripture, you see that Saul was there when Stephen was killed. Acts chapter 7 verse 58 says that those who were stoning Stephen laid their robes at the feet of a man named Saul. That simply means that Saul was was guarding their robes as they were taking care of business against Stephen. He was giving hearty approval to what they were doing against Stephen. Chapter 8 of Acts, you see that Saul begins an aggressive pursuit of rounding up other Christians for the purpose of persecuting them. He either wants to kill them or at the very least wants to put them in prison. He wants to silence the Christians. But thank God Saul got it turned around. And you see that in Acts chapter 9. He became Paul the Apostle. And I think you know the rest of his story. He was consumed with the person of Jesus. And he could not be shut up. He became a living sacrifice for Jesus. He fought the good fight. He finished the course. He gave his all for Jesus. He kept the faith. And like Stephen... He died a martyr's death. And so, would you for a moment put Saul or Paul up there on the shelf beside Stephen? We'll come back to both of them. But there's a third guy that I want us to look at. I don't even know his name. I just know his character. And it wasn't very good. He was one of the thieves on the cross... Next to Jesus. We think of Him as the thief to the right of Jesus. But I got to looking in in Scripture this last week. and, And from what I could see, there doesn't say anything in Scripture about Him being the one to the right. That's just an assumption that we have. But you know about Him. He was on the cross because He deserved to be there. For the crimes that he had committed. And I'm sure that it was a lifestyle of crime and thievery. That he had chosen to be a part of. And finally the Romans had it up to here. With his nonsense. They decided to put him to death. Society would be better off without him. By his own admission. As he hung on the cross. He's speaking to the other thief who is opposite of him. And he says to him. We are receiving What we are receiving, we deserve, he said, for our deeds. Let's put him on that shelf too. We have three fellas on this shelf. Stephen and Saul and the thief on the cross. Now I want you to ponder this point about these three fellas. And the point is this. And this is my second point in the sermon. None of them deserved to go to heaven. Now we can easily understand that about the thief. He, he certainly didn't deserve to go to heaven. He was a criminal. He was dishonest. He hurt people. He had no regard for the law. For whatever reason, he thought that he could live above the law. He didn't work for a living. He stole for a living. His philosophy was... What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I think I was probably young high school age at this time, living at home with my parents. And I I remember very vividly coming home from basketball practice that evening, and all kinds of police cars and lights are flashing at my house. Our house, I learned as I... Got out of the car and went in to see what was going on. Our house had been broken into that day. The first day, my dad's guns were stolen. I think whoever it was that did this must have scouted the place out and saw some other things that he might want because he came back the next day. He broke into the house again and he took more things. Two days in a row, a thief had been inside of our home, and it left a very eerie feeling in all of us. It was disturbing, and it was not an easy thing to get past. My wife's family, years ago, had this same kind of invasion in their home, and as she has described that to me, I understand that... Her family had those same kinds of eerie feelings, those same feelings to deal with. It's an attack on your peace of mind. And if you've ever been in that situation, you know what I'm talking about. This man who was put to death next to Jesus went around causing this kind of havoc Everywhere. He was a menace to society, and so society decided to put him away. He was getting what he deserved, and in our human way of thinking, he didn't have a chance in the world for heaven. But what about Paul and Stephen? Let's take them down from the shelf and talk about them. Surely they deserve to go to heaven. Well, I know Paul had a bad start and he had some black marks against him. But look at the change that took place in his life. And look at all the good that he did. And look at all the good that Stephen did. Both of these guys were the cream of the crop. They were leaders in the Lord's church. They preached the good news. They they remained faithful until death. They were willing to be in the minority. And they would not back down. Their character was exemplary. Both of these fellows, Stephen and Paul, they died for Jesus. They were martyrs in His behalf. If anybody deserved to go to heaven, they did But the truth is, no one deserves to go to heaven. Not even men like Stephen and Paul. I about cracked up this last week. I was doing a study with a young couple. And we were actually studying the subject of sin. And we were establishing in those early minutes of that study the fact that everybody is a sinner. We had read Romans 3.23 where it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 10, we'd read it also. It says no, no one is righteous, not even one. I turned to the gal and I just asked her a question. I said, have you ever sinned? She said. I turned to the guy, her husband, and I asked him the same question. I said, have you ever sinned? And before he had a chance to answer, his wife speaks up and she says, he sure has. (laughs) She couldn't wait to be a testimony against him. He's a sinner for sure. And the fact is all of us have sinned and no one is good enough to get to heaven by themselves. Not even the best of people such as Paul and Stephen. Stephen's record in scripture is without a black mark. But we know that he was a sinner in need of a Savior just like everybody else is who has ever lived. No one can get to heaven by their own doing. Now Satan would like for us to think that we can get to heaven by being good. But that is a lie conjured up by the father of lies. Did you know that one sin would be enough to condemn us to hell? Just one sin. That's all it takes to separate us from the Father. James chapter 2 verse 10 says, Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Let that sink into your mind for a second. Just read that verse to yourself. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, He has become guilty of all. And I don't think any one of us here today would even dare raise our hand and say that we have sinned just one time. No. We've sinned lots of times. Sometimes daily. Sometimes hourly. But even if we could say, I have sinned just once in my whole life, that still would not be good enough for us to earn our way into heaven. Ezekiel 18.20 says the person who sins will die. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Brothers and sisters, the truth is no one deserves heaven, not even the good person or the so-called good person if there was even such a thing. This is a conversation I've had with some folks recently, Concern over what seems to be a mentality that so many in the church have bought into, and that is thinking that everybody's going to go to heaven. Well, everybody's going to go. I guess if we buy into that kind of thinking, it excuses us from having to witness the people. And it relieves us from any worry that our loved ones might be headed towards hell. But there is a problem with this kind of thinking. And that is simply this. It's not true. Not everybody is going to heaven and no one deserves heaven. Let me give to you a third point to ponder about these three fellows. All three of them went to heaven. None of them deserved heaven, but all three of them went to heaven. Even the thief went to heaven. And as I look at These three fellows, they each had a common denominator. And the common denominator was this. Jesus and His amazing grace. They each had made a decision to trust in Jesus. Now, Stephen's conversion is not recorded for us in Scripture. But certainly his faith in in Jesus is recorded for us. He served Jesus with his life. He was filled up with the Holy Spirit. He trusted in Jesus even in those final moments of his life as those stones were crushing his body. You remember his last words? He said, Father, do not hold this sin against them. Acts 7.55 says he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. We know Stephen went to heaven. And the reason we can be confident in that is that he trusted in Jesus. He had a personal relationship with. With Jesus, First John five eleven says, "And the witness is this: that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son." And the next verse says, "He who has the Son has the life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life." Stephen had Jesus, and Stephen has gone to heaven to be with Jesus. And if someday you and I have that opportunity to go and be with Jesus too, we're going to be able to meet Stephen and we're going to be able to talk to Stephen and and get to know him. Well, what about Paul? Oh, we know Paul went to heaven. I don't think anybody certainly here would, would raise their hand and argue that fact that Paul went to heaven. We know he went to heaven. But it was not because he was good enough to earn it. He went to heaven because he trusted in Jesus. And we read about Paul's conversion in Acts 9. He was baptized into Jesus Christ. And he stayed faithful to Him until he took his last breath. I am, I am sure of this. A theme verse for the Apostle Paul could be Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The interesting one in this part of the discussion is the thief. How in the world did he get to go to heaven? We've already described his lifestyle, there was no good in him whatsoever. And even while he hung on the cross in those early hours, he was casting insults at Jesus along with the other thief and along with all of the mob that was at the foot of the cross. He was casting insults at Jesus, says Matthew 27, 44. But something happened in those last few hours as he hung there on that cross. He changed his mind about Jesus. Maybe it, maybe it happened when he heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Or maybe he just was sensing that he was in the presence of true light and true righteousness, and he became convicted over that, and he changed his mind. Let me read to you from Luke chapter 23 the account of of what happened with this thief Luke chapter 23 beginning with verse 39 one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying are you not the Christ save yourself and us but the other answered and rebuking him said do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. That's the grace of Jesus. And that is the common denominator in all three of these fellows who went to heaven. They put their trust in Jesus. And Jesus' grace was enough to cover their sins. His grace is enough to cover your sins too. No matter what you have done, no matter how bad you have been or how far away from God you have slipped, His grace is enough to cover your sins If you will put your trust in Him. So that's my challenge to you today. Is to put your trust in Jesus. Acknowledge Him as the Son of God and the Lord of your life. Confess your sins to Him. Repent of those sins. Asking Him to forgive you. Luke 13.3 says, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then be willing to be baptized into Jesus Christ. If it was good for Paul to do, why wouldn't it be a good thing for us to do? Besides that, it is a command in Scripture that we be baptized. Acts 2:38 says, "Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift." Of the Holy Spirit. But I am quite sure, I am totally confident that somebody here and several somebody's probably is saying this. Well, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized and he went to heaven. So why do we need to be baptized? Why do you, Kevin, always make such a big deal about baptism? The thief on the cross. Let me answer that in two ways. And it's very important that you get this clear in your mind. The thief on the cross lived and died under the old covenant. Think about that. He lived and died under the old covenant. In order for the new covenant to be instituted, there had to be a death. Jesus had not died yet. The gospel message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection had not been preached yet. And it wouldn't be preached for yet another 50 days on the day of Pentecost. And so the thief didn't have to be baptized to be saved under the Old Testament law. What he needed to do was simply have faith in God. And certainly he expressed his faith very strongly in those final hours. He expressed his faith directly to Jesus. And by the way, this is is just completely extra for you. I thought it was worth mentioning. As I was studying this passage in Luke 23 about the thief... And Jesus says to him, "Today you will be with me in paradise." The word "paradise" is the same word that is used in Genesis chapter two, verse eight, in the Septuagint, in which the the Garden of Eden is described. Now you say, you you may say, "What what is the Septuagint?" The Septuagint is the Old Testament scriptures. Written in the Greek language. And it dates back to the 3rd century BC. The Septuagint, Jesus, and his followers would have been very familiar with. They would have been reading from the Septuagint. Along with reading from the Hebrew version of the Old Testament. The Law, the Prophets, Psalms. But they would have been very familiar with the Septuagint to such a point that several times in the New Testament, as the writers are are quoting the Old Testament, they actually quote from the Septuagint. And my point is simply this. The thief didn't have to be baptized because he lived under the Old Covenant, not the New Covenant. And Jesus can save anybody he wants. And when the thief expressed his faith in Jesus, Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in the new garden of Eden. Now a second reason that we make a big deal out of baptism is because Jesus made a big deal out of baptism. And so did the other New Testament writers. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus says this, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These were his marching orders to the church. This is what you must do. Go, make disciples, help people to understand who I am, help them to follow me, help them to commit their lives to me, and baptize them. Mark's version of the Great Commission says this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. In Acts twenty two sixteen. 16, this is the past passage that we have on our wall over the Baptist street. It's Ananias' words to Saul of Tarsus. He said, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Baptism is a big deal because God makes it a big deal. But know this, baptism does not stand alone. Baptism is accompanied by faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of one's sins. And without those things, baptism is meaningless. And please understand this, baptism is not the end. And so many seem to be confused about that. They think that if they get baptized, that's all they have to do. That's their ticket into heaven. That's not true. Our faith in Jesus is our ticket into heaven. He's the one who's going to get us into heaven. We are trusting Him, and we are trusting Him alone. But we understand that true faith motivates us to action. We are to live out our faith. And James said it this way, faith without works is what? Dead. We are to practice our faith until the day we die. So three guys that we learn from today. Stephen, the Apostle Paul, and the thief on the cross. They all went to heaven. Not because they deserved it. But they went to heaven because of their faith in Jesus there, and His amazing grace back to them. And the same can be true for each of us. We can go to heaven. We can be confident of our place in heaven. If we put our trust in Jesus Christ and we live for Him until the day we take our last breath. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. So help us to rejoice in that grace. Help us to appreciate and be thankful for that grace. And may that grace, Lord, motivate us to live for you. In Jesus' name.